I almost got ready for this today, and then I went, it's a podcast, and I can wear. For I woke the, up like you, 20 you minutes see, ago. Does this mean that you haven't seen the trailer for the new Avengers movie? Shut yet? up. It's not out. It literally came out this morning. Oh, no, and we're starting a podcast, and you can't watch it until we're finished. Oh, no. We'll just have to discuss it later because if we started talking about the, this is probably a good thing. If oh, we started, no. Now I'm like anticipating. If we started talking about the trailer right now, this whole podcast would stop being about what it was meant to be. No. It would just be the trailer. <laughs> Why? Uh, I will say this. Why did um, they say it, Wednesday and lie like a bunch of liars? It's coming out in April. Why did I think it was... Not until so much later. It was like, supposed to be in May. Yeah, like April. It's coming out in April. They moved it up again. They moved it up last time. Remember, it came out like April well, 29th. I think the Russo brothers are just like, we're really tired of sitting on this. There's probably the <laughs> there's probably another Disney movie or Star Wars thing or something like that coming out. Mm. And they didn't want to cannibalize themselves. Because, you know, Black Panther was still yeah. in theaters when Infinity War came out. Yeah. Yeah. Old Disney. It's always for the bank. Always. Well, they own everything, so. They own everything. It stresses they're me starting, out. They're starting their own, like, streaming company, mm-hmm. um, like, just Disney. Yeah, and it's I, called Disney Plus or something? What is it called? Yeah, well, but what, because would they just have literally everything? Because they would have, obviously, Disney stuff. See, that's. But then they'd have. That's my they'd question. They'd have Pixar, they'd have Marvel, they'd have Star Wars, they'd have 20th Century Fox. Because <laughs> like... if they have the whole library, they they can possess the cojones to ask me for $30 a month and I'll pay it. <laughs> I know, I know. They can ask me for my firstborn child per month and I'll pay it. Uh, why are you having I don't know. a firstborn child every month? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find more of a... Yes, exactly. Oh my goodness. Okay, we're doing a podcast. It's a podcast. We're doing a podcast. It's called Cinema Rolls. You made that up. Yes. Good. Yeah, good title, good pun, good everything. Oh, do we so, need to do the intro? Oh, I guess we can. professional podcasters no no by any means um does the world need another you know film podcast maybe not does the world need another podcast of two buddies telling dumb jokes and being like cinematography plot oscars but you know maybe not maybe not but (laughs) and this the thing is i have enough of those podcasts I listen to all those podcasts. I don't need another one either. But mm-hmm. that's not what this is. No. Yeah. We're two buddies. Long distance. <laughs> 444 yes. miles between us, just like the Jay-Z song. I I don't know of it. Wow. 444 is the name of the album. I don't know what any of that means. It's okay. <laughs> no, but we used to um, sit and talk movies with each other all the time in person. And then I had to go and move across the country where you could actually see decent movies weird yes and so basically 
we're just doing what we would do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're just recording it for everyone else to listen in on it. Yeah, it's fun, you know? Fine. It's fun. Fun times. Well, I'll keep saying yeah. that and then they'll believe it. <laughs> if we say fun enough, people will be like, wow, I'm having fun. It's like in uh, <laughs> in the office wing, every time Charles says, Kelly, uh, Kelly Kapoor runs in and it's like, yes, Charles, you wanted me. <laughs> it's Idris Elba. Yes. Yes. In case so you forgot. This... <laughs> he was on the office. In case, yes. So this is Cinema Rolls. Hello, everyone. I'm Sarah. I'm Sarah, also. Yes, we're we're both Sarah. So uh if that's I confusing, call... you probably don't like the movie Mother. So <laughs> If it's even understandable, you probably Neither don't do like we. The movie Mother. <laughs> it's fine. Um so I call you hand loser. Mm-hmm. Um what do, do you call me anything or do you just call me Sarah? It's usually just Sarah. Um cuz yeah. to say your last name would be a little demanding. <laughs> Yes, uh, Derweda. I feel like if any of my, so by like the middle of this episode, I feel like um, any friends that I have from Indy are going to be really confused because if I'm surrounded by any type of an Arkansas accent, my voice gets very Southern. And it's hilarious because I don't have an Arkansas accent, not technically, but I do. You do. You more than what I have been used to in Indianapolis. Yeah. (laughs) No, so I, all of my friends from here are going to be like, who is that? Who is she? As we both take drinks at the I same time. I need my time. coffee out of my... Yeah, we both did. Out of my meowy Christmas cup. Oh, I love Christmas. I am wearing reindeer antlers with Christmas lights on them. They can't see that, but I can. So, like, this whole others. Christmas season nonsense really snuck up on me, and now I'm stressed. Okay, well, I started celebrating in October, but we don't have to discuss that. <laughs> Halloween's my favorite holiday. I had to give October the respect. Okay, so I guess we're going to do, like, a favorite, like, at some point Halloween movies episode, and you're going to have, like, a laundry list, and I'm going to be like, Halloween Town, that's it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have an episode where I make you watch Hereditary. That'll be fun. Mm, Okay, speaking of Hereditary, Hanlozier, what are we talking about this week? We are talking about our top five favorite movies of 2018. Yeah, I guess I just gave a little bit of a spoiler, too. Whoops. That's okay. I want to talk about this movie all day. It's okay. So let's kind of, like, back and forth, um, starting at our fifth favorite movies. Mm -hmm. And then we'll end at our first ones, you know, keep them listening. Yes. Try to get them to the end. You Um, got to have numbers to get anybody to listen to anything. Yes, of course. Okay, so should we just like jump right into it? Yeah, let's jump right into it. Because so interestingly, okay, guys, um, just a little bit of backstory for everyone listening. Uh, Han Lozier lives in Arkansas, and it's a very sad movie <laughs> landscape in which you would have to drive hours to see a great movie. Yeah. Um, perks of living in, you know, small town Arkansas. Um, I live in Indianapolis, which gets more movies. It doesn't get all the movies, but it gets way more than Arkansas does. Yes. Um, Arkansas, the whole state. Um, so there are a couple of movies on my top five list that Hanlozier hasn't seen yet because she hasn't even been able to, doesn't know where the heck to find them. Exactly. Um, movies that yeah, I've and- camped out for. Yes, and there's uh, only one movie on Han Lozier's top five list that I haven't seen, but by choice. Yeah. 
So we'll talk about that when we get there. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, though, we have very similar top five lists. We do. And a lot of them I've actually not seen in theaters. I've had mm-hmm. to watch on video on demand or um, on DVD. But yeah, let's just get yes. started. So um, let's do it. I we think have the same number five. We have the so same number five. Yes. We can just talk about that at the same time then. Okay, so our number five is Annihilation, written and directed by Alex Garland, adapted from the book by Jeff Vandermeer, and starring Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, and Tessa Thompson. Yes. Okay, when did you see, you did see this movie in theaters. I did, and I'm so thankful I did. So we both saw it in theaters, obviously, not together, of course. Yes. Um, I would like to just start with some adjectives of how this movie made me feel. Yeah. I was um, mesmerized. I was confused. But then I was like, okay, I got it. And then I was scared. And then I was frustrated. And then I thought that I wanted to hide during a particular like scene towards the end of that, that movie. Scene, that <laughs> scene is scarier than any other scene in 2018. I'll put it up against... Actually, yes. no, it's not. Eighth, no. eighth grade has the scariest scene of the year. Okay, we'll get to that. Yeah, but um, (laughs) this is right below it. Um, Yeah, this movie... So, a lot of times, especially now, movies don't have the guts to confuse you. Right. Um, And then sometimes they want to confuse you so bad that it's pretentious and annoying. Yes. But so, um, last year I actually took a class at my university called Sci-Fi and Fantasy and American Lit and Film. And we watched 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I'd never seen it, and it confused the crap out of me, but it is a masterpiece. Uh, It does not look like something that was made in the 60s, you know? Like, it is Mm -hmm. so incredible. So Annihilation is, like, kind of like the 2001 of our generation, in my opinion. Yeah, so I have never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. Also, if you hear a random noise that sounds like someone is trying to start, like, a dead car, uh, that's my heater in my apartment. (laughs) It just does that. You gotta stay warm. Um, Yes. So, uh, I've never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. A running theme throughout this podcast is gonna be... um, Whoa, Sarah Derweta hasn't seen what old movie that was made before the year 2005? <laughs> but that's something we're trying to stop. Yes. So um, this is a weird little side thing that's going to get us off track. But um, So basically, I've been trying to stop saying, oh my gosh, you've never seen that movie to mm-hmm. people because it's like really demeaning and kind of pretentious. And, like, you don't think about it, you know? You're just like, holy crap, everybody should see this movie because it's amazing. But it makes people feel kind of small. So I've just been trying to, like, whenever there's a movie that I really love that somebody hasn't seen, I'm just like, well, it's available on these platforms. You should check it out. I really like that. Um, I think it's important to note that you and I do have pretentious film snob tendencies, um yours kind of manifests in wait you haven't seen that movie Uh and mine kind of manifests in wait you didn't like that movie or you did like that movie and honestly we're recovering yeah it's fine we're in recovery where i'm trying very hard to look at movies as like how they intended to be right rather than how i wanted them to be which has very much changed how I've seen a lot of movies and also has made me enjoy more movies 
too. Yeah. So that's fun. I like enjoying movies. So um, back to Annihilation. Yes. Um, we've also got Oscar Isaac in here. And, you know, there's this alternate universe in which uh, Padme and Poe Dameron... <laughs> are these weird alien creatures so like are we gonna go full spoilers or are we gonna let okay i think we should here's the thing i think we if we don't do spoilers then it's just you and me going wow annihilation was so pretty wow it was so great (laughs) and like it doesn't lose value once it's been spoiled Right, right, right. Because it's still just, like, crazy and you have to see it to believe it kind of stuff. Yes. Like, you could tell me, like, before, right before I walked into this movie, you could literally look at me and say, I'm giving you a spoiler. Natalie Portman does a beautiful and scary dance with her clone in which her clone wants to kill her and then at the end you don't know if that alien thing is the alien or if it's Natalie Natalie Portman Portman. or whatever and you could say that to me and be like spoiler alert and I'd be like great I don't know what the heck that means and I'd walk into the movie and be like whoa completely unaffected (laughs) yeah so um the this movie ratchets up the tension like it's weird it's the most weird combination of subtle and like all at once that i've ever yes so okay so this movie is about um so basically the government the government has set up kind of this like lab this facility um that is basically doing research on this field called the shimmer um and Essentially, when people go into the Shimmer, when they've sent um, soldiers into the Shimmer um, to figure out what is going on with it, they all go missing. They all never come back. Um, No one comes back from the Shimmer. Um, However, uh, Oscar Isaac, um, Natalie Portman's husband, was a soldier that went into the Shimmer, and he does come back. And so that kind of sets off this uh, plot of, whoa, what what happened? How did he get back? And Natalie um, Portman wants to go in and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And she's a biologist, and um, she takes along, or she goes with Jennifer Jason Lee, who plays um, a psychologist or psychiatrist. I don't know what the difference between those. A psychologist. A psychologist. Yes. <laughs> uh, Gina Rodriguez is a soldier, I think. And then Tessa Thompson... Mm-hmm is a navigator is it navigator yeah they're all um really strong women (laughs) yeah which is incredible yes so the director of this movie i was i read the book um by jeff vandermeer and i really enjoyed it um but it does not give you like a lot of human stuff to latch on to it's weird in the book like most of the characters are already aliens before they ever enter the shimmer it's almost like a Yorgos Lanthimos thing of, like, they don't talk like normal people. They don't have normal emotions. Um, But, so, in the film, Alex Garland, who made Ex Machina, which is one of my favorite movies of the year it came out. Um, Alex Garland, when he was given this film, I was like, oh, bet. He is my science fiction man. Let's go. And so then when uh, when he does annihilation and he makes these changes to the book it's better 
like you need to be able to empathize with these characters. They need to have feelings. They need to be, um, you know, they need to have emotional drive. Um, and then the slow contamination of the group is done so visually. And like, there's so many things you can notice if you go back and watch it again. It's just amazing. Yes. I went back and I saw, so I saw this movie once in theaters, um, came out of the theater feeling actually scared. Like I walked out into the parking lot and I think like there was just like a man that was just standing outside waiting on someone. And I walked out of the theater and I heard him just say something and I almost jumped out of my skin and I was just like, no, no, don't talk to me. Don't speak to me. I feel sensitive and I feel vulnerable. I don't know what else to do. That's just how this movie makes you feel. But then yeah, I watched it. Yes. I watched it again. That's the second time around. And it's, it's one of those where I feel like I could watch it multiple times. And each time I would find something that I didn't notice before. There's just so many layers to it. Um, and so the reason why it's uh, in my top five, I don't know about you, the reason why it's in my top five is because I think it's really interesting to see like these women characters who actually have depth to them as characters. Uh-huh. Um, some of them are super annoying. Some of them are super frustrating as actual characters. Like they are people I would not be friends with in real life. Um, And then others are obviously incredibly smart, incredibly strong, but also very scared. And they're just, they're real. Right, exactly. And it's, yeah, and it's so interesting to see um, these women go in into this place where, you know, these men couldn't escape from because, you know, it's just interesting to see how they think about things. Absolutely. Solve these problems. Um, yeah, and I've read a lot of theories on this movie, and I would encourage people to go watch it and then read the theories. Um, there's a lot of really interesting ones about it being a metaphor for cancer, it being a metaphor yes. for, like, um, for, you know, evolution and things like that, but, um, mm-hmm. it's really an incredible movie. you got to check it out. Okay, so let's wrap this one up by saying, how do you think this, so I think what's super interesting is, like, uh, just in general, talking about movies in the scheme of the academy awards yeah when the academy awards isn't like the only thing that matters in with movies Mm -hmm. you know in reality but part of how i enjoy movies and i know part of how you enjoy movies is by kind of like breaking them down and looking into like the politics of what does that mean as far as the awards it will get yes so on and so forth it wasn't nominated for anything at the golden globes nominations which were just announced but that's fine in my i'm angry about the golden globes i'm gonna be angry about the golden globes i Um, think i always will be basically if your movie didn't come out before or if your movie came out before september they didn't watch it (laughs) so (laughs) the golden globes is just so out of touch it's just where everybody gets drunk and says stupid stuff and i don't even care anymore i don't even care about the golden globes anymore they just i i don't know what they think that they're doing i'm really happy for a lot of people who have been nominated like Mm -hmm. who are really excited like elsie fisher was nominated yes troy savan was nominated and they're so excited i'm so happy for them but i don't care exactly (laughs) so as far as the academy awards goes as far as the oscars go i hope this wins best adapted screenplay okay i think it'll definitely be up for best adapted screenplay um i think they'll in all the other categories they'll probably mad max fury wrote it which means Mm. they'll they'll have it nominated for like visual effects and sound editing and things like that absolutely does deserve Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Um, but I don't think it'll get any acting nominations, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, with Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz taking up two spots with the favorite in the, yes. in the female acting category, I don't see how any of these actresses will get in. But Yes, and they were all absolutely incredible. Yes. But, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where you have to think like, yes, it's incredible. And if this were, you know, the only movie of the year, you know, they deserve all the awards. But there are just so many better movies, which is why yeah. this is both of our number fives. Um, for a long time this year, this was my number one, and then mm-hmm. other movies started coming out. <laughs> right. But the fact that it's held on into that top five, and I watched this at the beginning of this year, so the fact that it's held on in my top five, I think is is important. Okay, do you want to talk about your number four? Okay, so my number four is your number two, and your number two is my number four, so I think we can just... <gasps> I didn't even notice We that. can just back-to-back these. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So, um, my number four is Eighth Grade, written and directed by Bo Burnham, um, starring Elsie Fisher, Josh Hamilton, and Jake Ryan. I, the, from the second I saw the trailer, mm-hmm. I, I thought, okay, this is going to be one of my favorite movies of the year, just from the trailer. And then, you know, trailers, you know, have a very different purpose than the movie does, but it was everything and more that I was expecting. So why yes. is it at number four for you? Um, so honestly, the only reason it's at number four is because there's three others that I, um, enjoyed more, that I enjoyed more. It's not like, (laughs) yeah, it's not a diss on it, but, um, so eighth grade to me, first of all, if you enjoyed middle school, I don't trust you. Amen. Um, at all. Just don't. Yes. And, um, I watched eighth grade and I was so stressed the entire time. Uh, felt like putting my hand in the meat grinder. Um, there is a scene in this movie that I was on the floor of my living room screaming. Like, okay, which scene? Okay, so this is the scene where she's alone in, um, in the car yes. with dude. And watching that, I was like, how are we all not dead? Because we all got ourselves into situations where we were alone with creepy guys when we were young. Yes. And, like, that gave me so much, like, ugh, like my shoulders were in my ears. I was so stressed. Yes. Um, so I saw this. Uh, it had a very limited release in theaters. I did not uh, get to see it in theaters y- at Yes. All. I got to see it at, like, the one theater it came to in Indiana. Um, I went and saw it the first day that it was at that theater. My entire, the audience was in, like, first of all, it was packed. Like, it was packed in there. The audience was a great audience. Like, they reacted to everything they should have reacted to. And I was sitting next to this girl who, during that scene, um, the scene where Elsie Fisher's character ends up in a car alone with a guy who Mm -hmm. is a little, like, creepy and a little like, oh, no, what's going to happen? The girl next to me her limbs were like flailing yeah. and she was like covering her eyes but then she was uncovering her eyes and she was like squirming and she was like no 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 and I was like girl same <laughs> I was like this is about to take a very dark turn yes but I think I really appreciate though that it didn't Bo like, Burnham knows when to pull back absolutely yes and I was yes. so like for a first-time director that touch is so yes difficult to you know to master and for him to just know right off the bat like no we got to pull that we've made him uncomfortable enough yeah and he lets off the gas and I was like <sighs> and you like you like 
<laughs> breathe for the first time in 10 minutes. Like, after oh it's over. my goodness. So, yes, this is Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham wrote and directed this. Um, he, Bo Burnham, if people don't know, is this incredible comedian. This is his very first uh, feature film that he's written and directed. Um, and he wrote this because uh he wanted to portray kind of like the panic attacks that he had been feeling in his career the anxiety that he was feeling about his career um and he said that while he was um thinking about how to write this movie he was watching a bunch of youtube videos that only had like you know like one two 100 200 views um of these actual like middle schoolers and that the boys would be talking about, you know, like, video games. And they'd be talking about, like, I don't know, like, just dumb stuff. And then the girls were talking about, like, the meaning of life. <laughs> like, what that was like. And, and he found that so fascinating. And so that's why he chose to wrote this um, from the perspective of an 8th grade girl. And I don't know about you, but when I watched this... I even though it is it was set in 2017, I immediately was brought back to when I was in eighth grade. Oh my god! You know that scene, um, her where her crush. Okay, first of all, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and it got the biggest laugh out of my audience, um, is when Elsie Fisher's character Kayla is about to take like you like her superlative yearbook pictures mm-hmm. and the guy that she has a crush on is in the same room. And when the movie introduces this boy, it introduces him by giving like a hard, like zoom into his eyeballs and he opens his eyes and this like techno music like kicks in and he struts across the room and Kayla is like taking this all in as some big, huge, dramatic moment, and like, then the music just cuts. Jawed, like, yes, <laughs> the music just cuts, and he's just like walking across the room to get a picture taken, and like that shows, like when you're in eighth grade, everything feels that. Big. Everything is the most dramatic thing yes. in the every, world. Yes, every moment has a soundtrack playing behind it. Like when you see your crush in the hallways, you don't hear anything else. Like you're just like, whoa, that's him. Like you see it and it just oh my goodness. I don't know how Bo Burnham captured like an eighth grade girl's crush feeling so well. But he did. He did. <laughs> he did. Um, so, yeah, I yeah. think this movie has one of the coolest character arcs of the year. Um, yes. I think the way Kayla grows start to finish is amazing. Yes, which, and the thing is, it, it wasn't even, like, a big swooping character story you know like it wasn't like by the end of it she started a revolution like no by the end of it she confronted the mean girls she confronted the mean girls she figured out that your family is not the enemy when you're dealing with this stuff um she i mean like she just kind of gets her stuff straight you know yeah she realizes what's a huge deal and what's Mm -hmm. not the end of the world i mean like it's very much the development that brought me out of the deep dark place I was in in middle school (laughs) yes and so it's just amazing um she finds a friend Gabe oh my gosh everybody needs a Gabe I every scene that Gabe was in I was just crying so 
fun fact about them. So what is that actor's name? Jake? Jake, Jake Ryan. The Jake same Ryan. name as the guy from 16 <laughs> Candles. Elsie and Jake met at a script reading um, to where they they were still like in the final phases of casting Gabe. And Elsie had already been cast as Kayla. And Jake came in and they read their scene together. And then while they were waiting around, like on the adults, they see, he looked at her and he was like, so what's your favorite kind of taco? <laughs> and, and they started talking about tacos in this really like pure, like awkward way. And Bo Burnham happened to overhear that they were talking about this. And he swooped in and he said, stop. No, everyone stop. You two are not allowed to talk to each other until we film the scene where your characters meet. Because we cannot tarnish this chemistry right now. <laughs> Sounds like you and me. Wait for the podcast. Yes. Oh my goodness. I never thought that I would experience the feeling of I would like to talk to Hand about something, but I have to wait until the podcast. Wait until the podcast. <laughs> wait until the don't talk to me until we record the podcast. Um the dad, I just want to say too, the dad in this movie, that performance, incredible. Oh, I yeah. am a sucker. Heartbreaking. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a good like daughter and father scene. Like I will start sobbing. <laughs> Like, it made me dislike Elsie Fisher, which is hard to do. <laughs> well, she was so unappreciative of her father. Oh, like, he's trying so hard. He's trying so hard. I, man, can relate, man, can relate. Mom, Dad, if you're listening, hi, I love you guys. Sorry about the teenage years. <laughs> yeah, I was a butthead for sure. Yes. Um. Okay, so this is your number four. Yes. Which is fascinating to me because I have it at my number two. I think Bo Burnham deserves Best Director, and I think that this deserves a nomination at least for Best Original Screenplay. And I would even go so far. I mean, Elsie Fisher got a nomination at the Golden Globes, which is yes. amazing. Well deserved. Amazing. Well deserved for sure. Um, I yes. think she, it's almost like Natalie Portman when she was young. Yeah. But more awkward and fun. Do you think. And now this isn't like trying, like, do you think that you can see Elsie Fisher being in more movies that aren't just about the middle school girl coming of age? Like, do you think she has more of a range than that? So it's hard for me to picture her as anybody but Kayla because that was the first person I saw her as and she did an amazing job. She's in Despicable Me, right? I think she was in Despicable Me. Nuh-uh. You keep talking and I'm going to look this up. <laughs> I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I think she has range for sure. She reminds me of, like, Arya and Sansa Stark, like, on Game of Thrones. And, yes. Um, so I've never seen Despicable Me, but she did do the voice acting for Agnes in the <gasps> first two Despicable Me movies. That's my only character I like in those movies. <laughs> so she has some sort of a range. I love it. I'm on board. I mean, she's great. She's great. There's a, um, there's, as in our podcast, I advertise another podcast. Um, there is an episode of the A24 podcast in which Molly, in which Molly Ringwald talks to Elsie Fisher. Like what a combination I love of it. people. And it's so cute because Elsie Fisher like comes into this interview, like, so I watched all your movies for the first time last week. And, and it's so cute. Two of the movies on my top five are A24 movies. They're my favorite studio. I mean, come on. Yeah, of course. I mean, they, they did some weird ones this year. <laughs> they yeah. did Hot Summer Nights. That was weird. They did 
never going back, which was even weirder. Like, but we don't need to talk about those. It's this fine. is a happy podcast. It's fine. It's a happy podcast. We're not going to talk <laughs> yes. about them missing for the first time. Yes. Um. So my number four is your number two. Yes. Yes. Weird which mind is... meld stuff. Yes. Um. So it's the movie Searching, um, and it was directed by. And I might say this wrong, and I apologize, and I should have done my research for how to pronounce his name beforehand. But it was directed by Anish Shaganti. Um, Sounds right to me. Well, I hope that, you know, (laughs) Anish, if you're listening to this podcast, feel free to DM me. Tell me how to pronounce your name. Um, I'm cool with that. Um, It's okay. Nobody knows how to pronounce my name either. Me (laughs) Um, either. Yeah, it was written by him and also um, another name I'm going to butcher, Sev Ohanian. Um, And yeah, man, it's a movie that uh, is about a father who's trying to find his missing daughter, um, which is the most like basic plot line you can think of. However, this entire movie is told through a laptop screen. Yeah, a couple so like, of laptop screens. Yeah, so like remember when you watched Unfriended and it was terrible, but at least it was like a cool idea. I did not. <laughs> I did. I know you did. Love the horror movie. So, yes. um, when you watched Unfriended and it was like really bad, like paranormal activity, but with a cool concept. Now mm-hmm. you get to watch Searching, which is the correct use of that format. Um, yes. Somehow played out like a law and order episode I never wanted to end mm-hmm. um and then I mean just like blew my mind at every juncture the way they're using this format is innovative necessary um it's never a gimmick it never feels mm-hmm. hollow I mean just blew me away and I just got to watch this for the first time on video on demand uh, last week I wish I would have gotten to see it in theaters but yeah I um also did not see this in theaters I missed it um, but I had a friend tell me that this was, like, his favorite movie of the year. And I was like, okay, gotta see it. And then it just did not get there. I didn't get there. Um, but it is, um, I don't know if you know this. It's the first time that a Hollywood, like, produced thriller stars an Asian American actor. I did not know that. The first time. It's 2018, people. Like, what? Movies really been around for a whole, like, 100 years. (laughs) Movies have been around for a long time, and it took this long. I mean, is there a white man in this movie? Like, aside from, like, Margot's, like, little, like, teeny bobby friends? Like... No. Um... I can't, I mean, maybe, like, a policeman, maybe? Uh, like, I but don't know. But John Cho is incredible in this movie. I think he John deserves Cho's nominations. Incredible. Yes. And he probably won't get any. Oh, I agree. I think that um, Joseph Lee, who played his brother in yes. this movie, is incredible. So freaking good. So good. Um, Deborah Messing, you know, she's fine. I thought she was good. <laughs> I think she was she was good. She was really good, but with the level of, you know, John Cho in this movie, he definitely like overshadowed her. Yeah. Um even the girl yes. that played his daughter, Michelle Law, was killer. I mean just yes. ten out of ten. There's no weak spot in this cast. Yes. It it was incredible. Um I I love the diversity, love 
you know, that it's, it's, it takes everything about like what you think of a, a thriller that um, is based around a father finding his daughter and just turns it all like upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't know, man, it's so good. And then I it's wish so I much better than like every Taken movie. <laughs> It's so much better than Taken 1, Taken 2, Taken 3, Taken on a train, Taken on a plane. Um, I think that um, that, that should be the, the new logline for this movie is just so much better than every that's, Taken That's movie. my full quote. So much better yes. than every Taken movie. Put it on yes. the DVD box. Yes. I'm like, give me John Cho. You can take Liam Neeson and do something else. I mm-hmm. would like John Cho to do every father-daughter thriller ever. Amazing. Yes. Um, um, I, I don't want to spoil this one too much because I don't think a lot of people have seen it and I want to make sure right. they do. But the scene where John Cho calls Deborah Messing okay, and says, hold on. you told me she was missing. <laughs> which that's what that's in the trailer that is in the trailer so i mean it's fine it's not a huge spoiler holy but crap. his performance yes incredible the writing in this movie so like i'm a huge like writing nerd like you'll find that every movie it's on except for one um on my list was written and directed by the same person um i just i love when like writers get to see what they make like fully realized and how they envisioned it when they were writing it totally um yeah like that was you know what I majored in in college like I just look at <laughs> I look at writing um and the writing for this movie was so like tight like every single word that you heard a character say or watched a character yes. type um was on purpose and I okay so here's the thing as much as I am sad that I didn't get to see this in theaters and experience it on the big screen I'm kind of happy that I got to see it for the first time as a dvd like in my laptop because I kept I kept pausing it and reading and so like for those of you who don't know there are many parts of this movie because it's um just a laptop screen there are multiple windows that are pulled up as you do on your laptop you know you'll have like a facetime window pulled up you'll have the internet pulled up you'll have text messages pulled up whatever and there are so many moments where i could pause and read like every bit of text that was on that screen and all of it meant something like if you pot like there there are multiple moments where you know like john cho's character is like sending texts you know to to someone anyone and he'll type Um, and then delete it and then yes. type and then delete it. Ooh! But then if you pause it, if you pause those like moments and you look at the rest of the conversation, like that is pulled up before, or like the, the sidebar of all the previous texts that he has sent to people, it all makes sense. Yes. Like it's, it, the attention to detail on this is ridiculous. And it's so good. There are so many, like um, there's a lot of Easter eggs in this movie. If you get to watch it again, um, and there, there's some YouTube videos on this. Uh, the Let Me Explain channel does a really good job uh, talking about the Easter eggs. But, like, there's a whole other movie within this movie. What? I'll tease that. You should really go Okay. Okay, this will apparently have to be a thing that you and I talk about later. Because I agree with you. I don't want to spoil this for people because this only just came out yeah, on DVD it's last week. You know, it just came out on DVD last week. I want to give people a chance to see it because... 
there are like 10 twists at the end oh my god <laughs> like like it has one twist and you go oh i get it and then and they do a twist on the twist effective. yeah all yes. of them are like it's it's not this cheap like right like oh we're like, gonna shake you up a little bit yes. it's like yes. every single twist is intelligent it's like oh that makes yes. sense that makes sense i'm following that i'm on board yes there was never a moment where a twist happened and i looked at the movie and went why yeah what? exactly like a twist would happen and i'd go of course why didn't i see that like oh my god no i watched so it with good. a friend and we kept yelling like what was happening yeah. and the movie would be wrong <laughs> Yes, I I tend to do like I love. Okay, so I love experiencing movies in theaters, um, especially by myself, like love it. Um, And usually when I watch a movie at home, I get very like distracted, like I'll have the movie like playing, but I'll Mm -hmm. be on my phone or, you know, I'll be like tidying, I'll be like cleaning. It's really hard for me to like focus. But this movie like I was locked in. Like I was like, oh, this yeah. is it. This is me in this movie. We're here. Um, I am sad that when it showed in theaters, actually, and I'm gonna say this: when it showed in theaters, I missed it. There was a short film that came before this movie oh. when it was played in theaters that was written and directed by one of my favorite YouTube filmmakers, Tim H. Tim Harkus. <laughs> that's why they call him tim h tim h um and starring love of my life dom farah um who is just another film buff who lives in los angeles who has no clue i exist but it's fine (laughs) and that showed before this movie um and for some reason, for the longest time, the only thing I knew about the movie Searching was that Tim H's movie came before it. Good. <laughs> and I don't know, but for the longest time, people would say, like, Searching, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, the movie that comes after the short film by Tim H. <laughs> I, I hate I you for that. I didn't know anything about it um, until everybody started, you know, like, seeing it and talking about it, and then I was like, all right, I gotta see it, but... Man, um, do you think this will get any Oscar? Wow, that's my heater again. Do you think this movie will get any Oscar recognition at all? Um, so I read that the editing on this movie was the most difficult editing to do because, you know, you have like four different windows open and right, it was literally course. so hard. And I think the editing staff should definitely get a get some recognition. I don't know that they will, um, yeah. but... I, I, think I think there should, should I think there should certainly be a lot of um a lot of recognition for this film and I don't think there will be which is really sad. Well, I mean if you think about like so yes, they deserve best editing. Um last year Dunkirk won for best film editing. So like <laughs> do we trust the academy? <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Um, I don't trust them. They didn't give. Uh, how many times did? Uh, oh, jeez. Ladybird. No, now I've forgotten oh. his name. So that's embarrassing. The cinematographer, the really good one, Roger Deakins. Okay. okay. How many times did he get nominated before he actually won one? I don't know. Like thirteen times. Yeah. I mean, listen. This movie, as great as it is, I don't know that aside from some of like the technical awards that it will be even considered for any nominations because Oscars politics and they won't campaign yeah they They don't don't have the money 
they won't campaign they won't yeah they won't um spend you know they don't like necessarily need to spend all the time like you know cozying up to all the they won't like go serve brunch like like bradley cooper exactly (laughs) all the members of the we'll talk about that at some point later so i just i i as much as i love award season like academy award season specifically could care less about any other ones um as much as i love it i also hate it just because of the politics that come with it yeah we're just i'm just gonna pitch all the podcasters a podcast called little gold men and they talk about the like politics and the relationship building and all of the like stuff that goes on around the academy awards and it gives you a headache it does okay anyway so um searching obviously highly recommended it is my number four your number two um which as we said before they were flipped around (laughs) with searching in eighth grade so now we can just talk about our number threes yeah so our number threes are very different um Hand Lodger's number three. I have seen it. I did like it. I did not love it. Yeah. Obviously, Hand Lodger loved it. Sorry to Bother You, written and directed by Boots Riley, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa My Thompson, My girl! Army Hammer, Jermaine Fowler. <laughs> yes. Just, wow. So this is the most insane movie I have seen in years, bar none. <laughs> bar none. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't disagree. <laughs> I and do not disagree with that. It came out in February, and the fact that it's not going to win for original, or the fact that it won't be nominated for original screenplay, um, for any acting awards, for anything of the sort, is infuriating. Because mm-hmm. this movie is just bonkers, nuts. And there is a third act, um, <clears throat> there's a third act twist that I think... I mean, are we, are we, we're a spoiler podcast, right? Okay. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> Inside to bother you. The whole theme is that, um, and it's all about gentrification and, um, you know. I mainly just want to hear you explain the twist. Like, I want to see how you put it into words. Uh, I'm trying to preface with some talk so maybe people (laughs) won't see it. So, the conceit is that Cassius Green, um, he gets a job at a telemarketing company and in order to be truly successful, he has to um, break from the script that they're telling them to, them to use and abandon his blackness using a white person voice. Voice acted by David Cross. Genius, by the way. Genius. genius. Absolutely genius. And so he has to do this in order to rise up in the ranks. But the further up he gets in the ranks, the more evil stuff he's doing. And eventually he becomes a power caller, moves up to like the penthouse office and starts selling slave labor. As a telemarketer. And the third act twist is that Army Hammer, this Jeff Bezos type character that owns um, the company that that Cassius is selling for, has created this new race of anthropomorphic horse humans. So for those of you listening, our (laughs) our boy Army Hammer is a horse girl. It's like that state, you know I carry, right? That girl. Yes. And and Cassius Green, played by Lakeith Stanfield, walks into Army Hammer's office, which is decorated with cute little horse things. Everywhere. Lakeith Stanfield decides to go pee in a bathroom, but walks <laughs> into the wrong room, only to find half 
human, half equestrian <laughs> beings that then save the world. And this is my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> no, it's, it's not my favorite. It's my third favorite. Sorry. It's your third favorite. Yeah. You, lo- you love it a lot, though. I just, okay, every bit of this has so many layers. Um, there's a bit at the end where um, they've started to um, try and make the equestrian people, like, public. Like, tell everybody. Tell the world. Yes. And um, first, the fact that Cassius has to humiliate himself immensely on live television in order to get them to pay attention to the equestrian people. Then after he reveals that Army Hammer is turning people into horse people, people are excited about it. Like, people are like, oh, this is a great idea. I don't know why anybody, nobody thought about this yet. And then the there's like a scene where somebody's made a protest art bit. <laughs> And um, it says, it says, you know, worry-free is turning people into horses. And somebody's like, what does it mean? What do you think it means? And Tessa Thompson just goes, maybe they're being literal. <laughs> maybe worry-free is turning people into horses. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's got so many layers. It's so nuts, bonkers off so, the wall. I love it. It is. Here's my thing, right? I I did really enjoy this movie, and I had a fun time, and... Again, I watched it in theaters, and so the only thing that people were talking about as we were walking out of this movie was, what, where did those horses come from? Yeah. <laughs> so, that was great. And if you but, go with that twist, yeah. the rest of the movie's great. If, you, yes. if, if that twist leaves you at the train station, you're like, <laughs> what? Yes, exactly. So here's the thing. I think this movie was perfectly cast. Like, yes. every single human being involved in this movie was great. Lakeith Stanfield is... I I love him. I adore him. He is such a great actor. It's insane. Yes. Tessa Thompson... <sighs> She's Tessa Thompson appears on your list twice. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, great. Yes. Perfect. Perfect casting. Um, I enjoyed a lot of a lot of the scenes in it but as a whole movie it just didn't quite land for me mm-hmm. um but i will say it when going along with like the good stuff um lakeith stanfield and tessa thompson together in a in any form of anything's like electric like they yes. are incredible together and also there is a scene in which Lakeith Stanfield, this beautiful black man, finds himself in a room full of white oh people. Oh my gosh. Who ask, and they ask him to rap for them. This scene. And he doesn't rap, or his character doesn't rap, by the way. Lakeith like, Stanfield, like not good at rapper. it. Right. Lakeith Stanfield, first of all, the acting chops it takes for an incredible rapper to act like he can't act, or rap. Perfect. Incredible. But... That scene alone is what saved the movie for me. Like, if it weren't for that scene, I would have been like, what is this and why did I watch it? I mean, just, and I listen to, like, a lot of rap and um, hip-hop. And so what Boots Riley was saying in that one scene, I was like, oh, wow. If, if If the whole movie was, like, two hours of that scene over and over again, I would have given it five stars. It's nuts. Okay, so let's talk your number three. Okay, my number three, you have not seen. No, it was nowhere um, near me. No, and yeah, it's not your fault. Arkansas is the worst. 
Um, I barely saw it. I think, so there is like an arts cinema that is near my place here. And if it weren't for that place, I wouldn't see a lot of movies either. Um, but I think it was literally there for like two weeks at the, like maybe. And I just barely went and like was able to see it. Um, so it's a movie, American Animals. It was written and directed by Bart Layton. Um, and okay it is a heist movie that is what it is it's a crime heist drama movie it stars evan peters our uh, our beautiful american horror story boy um it, it, that it boy. also has yeah it has um blake jenner from glee oh yeah <laughs> you might he know was, him from he was things on, such as the glee project he was on the glee project i watched yes. that show religiously Yes, um, it also has a Barry Keegan. I think that's how you say his last name. Oh, but, from um, Killing of the Sacred Deer. Yeah, and he's also in Dunkirk. Um, yes. He is, I believe, like if Miles Teller conceived a child all by himself, it would be <laughs> Barry Keegan. <laughs> uh, and then, um, Barry yes, Keegan. and it also Miles stars... Um, test tube, baby. <laughs> It also stars Jared Abramson, uh, who I have never heard of. Yeah, me either. Can- he's Canadian. I don't know. Uh. Um, he apparently is in a Netflix series called Travelers. Hmm. And a movie called Hello, Destroyer. I don't know. Anyway, he's great in it, too, though. Okay, so cool. basically this movie, which... Am I selling this movie both to you and to the people listening? Tell me about it. So, this is... First of all, this movie starts, and this is not a spoiler, this movie starts by saying, this movie is not based on a true story. This is a true story. Hmm. Like, that is... Okay, so here's the thing. I don't want to say a ton about this movie, because when I went into it, I knew nothing about it, and that helped me love it more. Like, because I didn't know... I didn't expect anything, I went into it completely blind, Mm -hmm. and out of nowhere, it became the best movie of this kind that I've ever seen as a a heist movie. Um, So, it's just these four idiot college boys... Um, only two of them were friends before, you know, the heist took place, but it's these four boys who just basically decide that they are going to steal some books from their college's library. Um, and that, that's it. That's the plot. (laughs) And so (laughs) when you say that, you're like, great, cool. (laughs) These four college boys are going to steal some books, but... The, okay, the the character, I say character, he's a real-life human. The person that Evan Peters portrays is kind of like the ringleader, and he's a bad ringleader. Like, he <laughs> is not good at leading a group of thieves. <laughs> like, he just is awful. He's a little sketchy. He's all over the place. He doesn't quite know what he wants to do. Mm. And so he leads this ragtag group of boys into, like, the dumbest like heist plan ever um and so i won't say whether or not they pull it off because that's part of the excitement Mm -hmm. but um this movie the writer of it bart layton um heard about this heist this real life heist that happened and went to go visit these men when they were in prison I guess oh. I kind of spoiled the movie. These men end up in prison. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but it's a true story. So cool. he goes to visit them in prison, and he's like, hey, guys, I want to write a movie about what you did. And he started writing this movie when these actual humans were still incarcerated. Wow. And he would go and visit them to get their accounts of, like, what happened and who thought what happened and who was doing what and what happened when. And um, they all four told the story, the same story, so differently. Weird. Because the way that you imagine your past is not always how the past actually was. Oh, And that's, like, cool. the theme of this movie, right? Is, like, you don't actually quite know what actually happened. I'm you know? Um, yeah, and so he explores a lot of that, and he intercepts these, um, these these stories that are told by these actors with interviews of the real people. Oh, cool. So it's like a documentary kind of sort of, but not really (laughs) these people intertwine and, and like kind of have these moments with their character actor counterparts. Wow. And Bart Layton like meshes these two worlds so seamlessly. Like, if you were to tell me, okay, like, if you were to pitch a movie to me and you were like, all right, we're going to interview the real people, but then, like, in some scenes, you're going to have people acting like those real people, and then we're just going to, like, kind of cut them together, like, that would sound like a hot mess to Yeah. Me. That would sound chaotic. But Bart Layton does it seamlessly, and he integrates those two, like, types of this movie so well, and, like, it really, like, brings you into it and makes you question everything about your own past. Like, wow. I have never robbed a library but this movie like makes me think of like situations in which I blame like someone else for something or like something big goes down and I'm like did that actually happen how I think that it happened was that person actually doing what I perceived them to be doing because this movie just shows like hey you don't really know what the heck is going on ever um so I suggest that everyone see it I don't think that this will win any awards um at the Academy Awards, it's just, it's a very small movie. Um, I would be really surprised it doesn't have a big studio backing it at all. Um, and I don't know, but this is some of the most original, like, directing and editing that I've ever seen. Like, this, I watched this movie, and the only thought running through my mind was, I don't think any other movie has ever done this before. Ever. Very And cool. it was just so great. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. Um, so there's that. I love that. That's my number three. Um, we are going to skip number two because we already talked about each of our number twos. Handler just trying to show me her cat right now. He's so cute. Um, we already talked about our number twos because they were each of our number fours as well. Yes. So we're just going to go straight into our number one. Number one. Um, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, neither of us have seen the other one's number one. Is that correct? True. Great. This is going to be fun. Okay. You're number one. I haven't seen... By choice. I have had plenty of opportunities. So my number one came out this summer. It is called Hereditary. Directed and written by Ari Aster. Starring Tony Collette in the best performance of the year. If she doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, I'm going to be pissed. She didn't get nominated for a Golden Globe. I'm angry. Golden Globes hates everyone. They suck too. I don't like them either. Um, Also starring Alex Wolf of the Naked Brothers Band. Love him. You aren't ready. He is so much better at acting now. And Millie Shapiro. Um, so this is 
on the surface, one of the most intense, um, just dreadful, like, that's not the right word, um, filled with dread. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's crazy how words mean different things. Isn't it? English is <laughs> yes. stupid. Um, yeah. So, like, one of, this movie encapsulates the feeling of dread better than any other movie I've ever seen. Um, and it's a family horror film about uh, a family that's suffered a tragedy. Um, Tony Collette's mother has died, um, the kid's grandmother, and um, she's dealing with it and grieving. And then another accident happens uh, pretty much directly after. And it's about them grappling with how this is affecting their family. Um, and it's also about them trying to deal with the fact that they have a history of mental illness in their family. Um, Tony Collette gives this great monologue right at the beginning when she's at grief group where she's like, uh, my dad killed himself by starving himself to death because he had psychotic depression. Um, my brother was schizophrenic and he, uh, killed himself and blamed my mom in the suicide note and said she was trying to put people in his head. Um, and so Tony Collette doesn't trust herself at all. She just thinks she's crazy too. And so it's all about like, uh, and it uses the theme of a horror movie um, to say, like, back in the day, mental illness was looked at as demon possession. A lot of mentally ill people went through exorcisms um, because they were just mentally ill. Um, in this movie, sometimes it actually is demon possession. <laughs> okay. It's so insanely good. Um, if you like horror... You need to watch Hereditary. Also, I don't like recommending it to people because it's, like, messed up. But, yeah. Um, but so expertly crafted. Every scene is a painting. Um, just the cinematography is beautiful. Um, it's remarkable. Remarkable. Um, yeah. Ari Aster, I think this is his first, if I'm not mistaken, the first movie he's ever directed. And, um, Wow. Wow. So I, okay, so I haven't watched this movie because I am a scaredy cat and I don't love a spook. <laughs> like, let's just be real. And you love being spooked. Yes. You love it. Horror, and I, horror movies, horror is my favorite genre. Yes. And I'm so scared constantly. <laughs> just period, just in general. Um, but... I have heard a lot about this movie because it's been getting a lot of like a lot of Oscar buzz actually yeah. um, because a lot of people think that it should be nominated for quite a few different um, awards and I've heard that either people love it because it's like a super innovative movie and it turns like the horror genre like on its head and yes. it really like plays into like a lot of um, like nuances within that genre um, but then I also hear that a lot of people say I loved it up until I hear people either say I loved it up until the third act. And then after that, it all went crazy. Mm -hmm. Or people say I hated it until the third act. Yeah, because that was normal to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, basically, my thoughts are um, that it's kind of a slow burn the way that old classic horror movies are like Rosemary's Baby and um, things like things like that that have a very slow burn and they build and build and build and build and build. But mm -hmm. you're surrounded by this horror 
the whole time. Like, everything feels wrong the entire movie. Um, You're just like, this is messed up. You know, things are Mm -hmm. off. Something bad is going to happen. Every second, you're just, like, Mm -hmm. waiting. Um, I could not recommend it enough if you love horror. Um, Just be forewarned. It's messed up. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. So don't say Sarah Hamlizer traumatized me. Well, I mean, I'll say, I just say that in general. Just. (laughs) Okay, so I have thought about watching Hereditary, and I've come really close to watching it, but every time I really chicken out. And so I have decided that if this movie, like the actual movie Hereditary, gets nominated for a best, like actual best film at the Oscars, I will watch it. Other than that, I don't think I'm going to because I work at a movie rental store because those do exist everywhere in Indiana. Weird. Um, Yes, and so the trailer for this movie comes on constantly in the store. Oh, that sucks for you. And it, the trailer freaks me out. It's stressful. It's a stressful trailer. So like, what am I going to do? Uh, so, um, so we'll see. And if I, if it does end up being nominated and I do watch it, I'll, you know, I'll give my review here on, on cinema roles. Yes. Um, so my last, my last statement on this film is that Toni Collette gives the best performance of her career, has some of the most, just, you watch it and it's just gut wrenching. I mean, Mm -hmm. she is amazing blows my mind the whole time um just there's a scene at the dinner table where she's yelling at alex wolf and she's like i am your mother and i'm just like she's his mother (laughs) she's his mother she's a better mother than uh, jennifer lawrence in mother exclamation point (laughs) yes y'all don't know but sarah just gave me a look (laughs) i hate anyway uh no, Tony Collette deserves all the Oscars. There will not be a better performance than hers this year. I'll go ahead and say it. Okay. It's incredible. So let's talk okay. your favorite that I haven't seen. Blind Spotting is my favorite of 2018. Blind Spotting was directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada and it was written by in real life childhood BFFs for life, <laughs> Rafael Casal and David Diggs. Now David Diggs uh, was in Hamilton. Yes, he was. Rafael, yes, Rafael, he's a old Thomas Jefferson. Um Rafael Casal is a uh poet. Um he's a spoke he does a lot of spoken word poetry, I believe. Um and to say okay so a lot of people kind of like really condense this movie down when you say what ask what it's about and they're like okay well it's you know it's a movie about gentrification about police violence and about racism and i think that that's kind of doing a disservice to the movie because Mm -hmm. it is so much more than that um first and foremost it's a love story to oakland california um, these are, so Raphael and David are these two friends who grew up in Oakland, California, and they initially started writing this because of how other movies have portrayed their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and other movies have portrayed Oakland as this place of, like, sadness and violence and crime and, mm-hmm. like, 
they um, wrote this kind of to be like, hey, this is also, you know, our home and it's colorful and it's beautiful. And yes, there are some crap that goes down constantly, but we love it. You know, it's uh-huh. our home. Um, and they and all the you know cinematic portrayals of it have always just been missing something. And so they wrote this and they wrote this over nine years ago like or not not like they started writing this over nine years ago and have been writing it for nine years right um so they um they were writing this movie about these two friends who they play um and for those of you who don't know Rafael Casal is this like at least white passing um, person, and David Diggs is a black man, and it really uh, explores what that means for each of them living mm-hmm. in Oakland and the gentrification of their neighborhoods, and um, what all of like the police violence and everything looks like. And they, the way that they did this script, by the way, because they are both so. Um, David Diggs is a rapper. Raphael is a poet every line is super rhythmic Mm. and there's actual poetry and actual rap integrated into the dialogue of this movie like you'll have an extremely like poignant like and violent and like ridiculously chaotic moment and then they come in with like what feels like a spoken word piece wow Um, but like and and it works like it doesn't feel weird and it doesn't feel like whoa what 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 just happened not like a musical <laughs> or anything no Lucky yeah it doesn't like... feel like a musical it's not a musical it's just these people who already have like a beautiful poetic rhythmic cadence just leaning into it and Very rhyming cool. things every now and then um and so essentially this movie is about um how people don't always have to be one thing um so like <laughs> like this sounds super cheesy but like uh David Diggs can be this black man who is against gentrification but also loves the green smoothies that they're now selling on the corner of yeah. every <laughs> shop you know um and then like their friendship can be super like chaotic and tense and a little bit like crazy at times but you know they're also family. Right. Um, and then, like, Colin, um, who is uh, Raphael Casal's character, can be this white man who is married to this black woman who has a mixed kid who, like, he can feel a lot of identification with, um, like, a lot of really oppressed groups, but at the same time, not know a thing about yeah. what they're going through. Like, this movie is all about the nuances and I haven't seen a movie be so brave about saying yeah so there's this side and there's this side but what about the middle you know um which is something that we're really missing like in general in the world right now yes there is no middle I feel like every movie takes like quote-unquote a stance you know and like this movie doesn't take a stance this movie just tells a story and it's up to you to decide how you feel about it because like the people in this movie like are good guys but they're also like made some really stupid mistakes and like that's just because they're human yeah that's um yeah and it's it's so great it's a love letter to oakland um there's a moment where they like um feature um 
like a billboard that says Kalani is coming to play a concert and like mm-hmm. y'all know Kalani is like from Oakland and then like Sarah Kay like the spoken word poet yeah makes a random cameo in it I was oh my like gosh. yes girl like what are you doing here um and I don't know it's great and I would also like to point out that David Diggs has already won a Tony and a Grammy for his performance in Hamilton and so if this movie could just give him one Oscar, <laughs> then on the way to the EGOT, on his way to the EGOT, and I think he like deserves this. His performance—he's already been nominated for an Independent Spirit Award for um, those are the ones that matter. Here. Those are the ones that matter. He's already been nominated there, and the Oscars take more cues from the Spirit Awards than from the Golden Globes. I think that's so, true, and the Guild Awards too. So yes, like, so I and... think that he has a chance of at least being. nominated nominated I would love if he won because like come on like that EGOT um but yeah this movie although they wrote it over nine years I think it's really fascinating that they just kind of had like a first draft and most of the movie is that first draft like is that first thing that they wrote any rewrite that they did they rewrote during the production just to update it because they started writing it nine years ago yeah (laughs) and so like it's just really cool. There's a really um, intense moment with um, with a gun um, that like is not is just um, Raphael's character bought a gun so he could feel safe, and Davy Diggs's character is like, man, that's so stupid, um, and he doesn't realize how violent it can be until his really young son accidentally gets a hold of it and like the way that the movie feels in that moment is just like that scene in eighth grade where you're like clenching everything and you're just like I don't know what's about to go down I hope everybody's okay like it's just it's so good um and there's a, a scene at the very very end where it's just like a solid like five minutes of David Diggs rapping his lines wow and I was sweeping the entire time, like fully, like tears just streaming down my face the entire time. Um, and it left me feeling like <laughs> really like cathartic in a way, but also yeah. like nothing actually happened, but everything happened. <laughs> it's just so good, man. Love it. Um, I'll really have to check that out for sure. Yeah. There's also just a beautiful scene where they go to a house party um, in Oakland and it's just full of white hipsters um, (laughs) being like, isn't the city so cool, man? And they're like, yeah, no, I've lived here since I was like, you know, half a year old. Like, what's up? (laughs) Um, And it's just, man, it's so good. Makes you think about a lot of things um, because... I have I have a lot of conversations with friends here in India about gentrification and what that's happening because like that's happening here in Indianapolis and so it's really cool to see this movie and like it really pokes fun you know at people being like you know there's that new juice place on the corner here and it's this neighborhood where they're like these people can't afford a juice place like what are you doing yeah um but yeah it's super cool it's such a simple um a simple concept it's just a love letter to Oakland and a love letter to friendship honestly and so it's really beautiful it's really great and it's my number one of the year and Woo-hoo. I don't know it deserves you know an original screenplay nomination David Diggs deserves something man anything get that EGOT <laughs> yeah but they're gonna nominate Bradley Cooper instead oh, yeah they sure are hot they're take gonna... Hot take, a movie that's missing from both of our top fives, A Star is Born, is not good. 
We just need to do a whole episode on hot takes. Um, yeah. I I loved it, but uh, it's not the best. No, it's not even. <laughs> it's okay, when I say not it's best. not good, I mean that it's getting hyped by the award shows. Yes. And it's not that good. It's not as great as the rest of the movies I've seen this year. Um, I did see it in theaters twice. I did fail to mention I saw eighth grade in theaters five times. <laughs> How did you put yourself through that so many times? I saw it five times. One time I saw it with a real life eighth grader. Yeah, I was like, this is weird. This is like, this is like, she's going through it. I went through it. Oh no. So, man, I... I just think that the Golden Globes are super out of touch and we shouldn't even care right now, but we will, we'll still care. We'll yeah. still get very angry. But <laughs> like, I was like, oh, it's just the dumb one, Sarah, chill. Yes. But then I was like, um, yes. Where is Tony Bullet? <laughs> okay, so towards the end of every episode, we want to do this fun thing where we take a BuzzFeed quiz from the perspective, like yes. as if we were one of the characters of the movie that we discussed and you know today we did discuss 10 movies yes <laughs> but we'll pick a character um and then we'll pick a quiz or do you want to pick a quiz and then pick a character okay um uh, i think it should be one from a movie we both watched I, I agree so okay well first of all our two quiz options my <laughs> my choice was um I would like to know which holiday candy this character is, and you would like to know who's your Disney sidekick. Yes. <laughs> I I would like to propose two characters that we could take one of these quizzes from. Okay. Um, I think it would be really funny to see which holiday candy John Cho's character is. Yes. But I also think it'd be really cute to see which who's uh, Disney sidekick Elsie Fisher's character. Has. Oh man, that's hard. I know. I know. Uh, I think Elsie Fisher will be like we know her. You know, like we we know Kayla Day. <laughs> so let's do that, and then next week we'll do your um, we'll do your yes. quiz. Sounds good. Okay, so Kayla Day in eighth grade, written and directed by Bo Burnham. Where are you going? The beach, an amusement park, a sacred temple, or the forest? Could definitely not a sacred temple. Probably. Oh, definitely not. And not the beach. Not the beach. She was uncomfortable. A little too uncomfortable. Probably amusement park. An amusement park. Oh, I'm glad we agree. Okay, how are you getting there? I'm flying, I'm taking a bus, I'm driving, or I'm taking a boat. She's not driving. Um, she's not. She's not driving. She's not flying. She's probably. Taking she's taking a bus. Yeah, she's taking a bus. She's just a baby. It's a little baby. Um, pick some music for the trip. Okay, so we've got Afrobeat, Chinese pop, Christmas carols, and kids bop. I don't think she would listen to kids bop. She would She's like, I'm too cool for that. But the others don't quite make sense. But I feel like I feel like Kayla Day is a type to rock out to some Christmas carols. At the right time. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you arrive at your destination and you're starving. What are you eating? Dumplings, ice cream, fruit, or salad? Uh, ice cream for sure, I think. I think if she's by herself, she's eating ice cream. And if she's with a group of people, she's eating a salad. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't... And I think she's probably, like, with a group of people. At an amusement right? park, Yeah. Yeah. She's insecure. So I think in front of like her friends, she's like, I'm gonna get a salad. Yes. But then her character arc. 
she might get an ice cream by the end of that movie, you know? At the yeah. end of it, she's like, hey, I'm going to do what I want. Huh. Or, okay, we're going to go with ice cream. Because yeah. I like that version of Kayla Day, the at the end of the movie Kayla Day. Agreed. All right, time for some shopping. What are you buying? A hammock, a sword, a dress, or a warm blanket? Um, I think she'd be into a warm blanket. Me too, me too. Yes. I was going to say a hammock just because she's, like, quirky, but yeah. she's not super outdoorsy. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, it's time for bed. Where are you sleeping? Under the stars, in a treehouse, in a palace, or in a warm bed? Okay. A warm, a warm bed. bed. A warm bed. She wants her phone. Yeah. Okay, so... Kayla Day, her Disney character sidekick is Olaf from Frozen. Oh my gosh. Now I'm picturing Josh Gad in that car. Oh my gosh. I'm picturing Josh Gad and Elsie Fisher just hanging out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Josh Gad. Yes. Josh Gad, like, get away from her, you creep. <laughs> but singing it. Oh my goodness. I love this. All right, guys. So it's official. Kayla Day's best friend is Olaf from Frozen. Fun fact. Bo Burnham, if you want to recut that. (laughs) Bo Burnham, if you want to do a collaboration with the Frozen sequel that's coming out. I mean, you know what? Elsie Fisher herself is a voice actor. Maybe she'll get cast (laughs) to do some of the voicing. And she'll get to talk to Olaf her Disney She'll sidekick. Get to talk to her sidekick. Yes. Okay. Wow. Love it. Love wow. It. We deserve royalties if that happens. <laughs> yes. Cut, cut me my check, Disney. Yes. I'll take my All Disney right, money. All right, Um, what is a movie that you are looking forward to? Yorgos Lanthimos is the favorite. That's that's yes. my pretentious answer. I'll give a better no. answer next week. I, I literally had the same exact response i also am looking forward to the favorite yes so yorgos lanthimos yes. does these super weird movies every year and every year i love I'm so them. into it the okay. lobster uh, the killing of a sacred deer they're so bizarre i am super excited for the favorite but i don't want to have the same answer as you so weirdly enough i'm going for a very similar vibe movie um i'm really looking forward to mary queen of scots Huh, with uh, Sir Sharon? My queen, Sir Sharon. My queen. Yes, and uh, Margot Robbie. Okay. <laughs> yes. My literal queens. Like the two most attractive literal... females in Hollywood. Yes, except for they don't look it in this movie. At least yeah, uh, Margot Robbie doesn't. They're in that weird that makeup, makeup though they're gonna yeah so yes i'm looking forward to mary kate scott but i'm also was first and foremost looking forward to the favorite too. oh but now i feel bad because i should have said spider-man into the spider-verse because i'm looking forward to that too but uh i won't let myself get too excited about anything spider-man because i've been hurt in the past i feel that on a spiritual level that. and although i've heard great things about it i would like to wait until i've seen it to yes have opinions <laughs> yes agreed Okay. I don't care if Mary Queen of Scots disappoints me. Yeah. I do care if Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse disappoints Freaking me. John Mulaney is in that movie. I cannot. Is it too early to say that the movie I'm looking forward to is the fourth Avengers movie? Stop. I haven't seen that. Okay. I haven't seen the trailer. Okay, guys. Okay. We're going to we're gonna leave. Handloader's going to see the trailer, and then maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't. Maybe, you know, yeah. we'll try to stay away from any spoilers until the movie comes out. Who knows? I literally um, am so... I cannot uh yes so guys if you want to you know follow us 
not like in a physical space, but just like in a digital space. Yeah. Um, we have a Twitter that doesn't have any tweets at this moment in time. We're about nor to remedy a profile that. picture. Um, we're going to figure it out at some point. But you can follow us on Twitter if anyone even uses Twitter anymore at cinnamon. Nope, not cinnamon. Nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> the pun, the pun got to me. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at cinema rolls pod and then our gmail is also cinema rolls pod at gmail.com if you would like to just send us an email guys listen i have too many emails but i will actually read these yeah (laughs) so yeah um i don't know how often we'll be doing these we'll just be doing them we're feeling it out look out subscribe to this podcast i guess that's a thing that people can do yeah for sure we'll be on apple we'll be on apple Podcasts, spotify um wherever wherever podcasts i'm glad you know that because i didn't that's awesome (laughs) um anyway i again am sarah and i'm sarah yes our sarah squared coming at you not live and uh i have a pun that i've been waiting to say the entire podcast oh yes And that's how the cinema rolls. All right. Well, that's how we're ending it from now on. (laughs) Great. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll speak at you soon. Yeah. Bye-bye.